Welcome back to the GP Productions podcast. Okay, welcome back to the show, and I've got a familiar face. She made the intro video there. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, Miss Carol Baskin from Big Cat Rescue. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Good, good, good. A lot has happened since we last caught up. When was that? That was pre-Tiger King 2 and pre-your show coming out on Discovery. Okay. So we'll start off by talking about the Discovery show. How did that come about initially? Carol Baskin's cage fight is something that people have kind of pitched forever. And over the years, people have come to the sanctuary and said, you know, this would be such an amazing story, the work that you do saving these cats and how you go after all of these animal abusers. And every time they would take it to the networks, they would say that I was too controversial. And so I think after Tiger King came out, people figured, okay, controversial sells. <laughs> so yeah. they yeah. approached me about doing a show and they, they named it. I thought it was really clever that they called it Carol Baskin's Cage Fight because it really is fighting to get all these cats out of cages. And it had the, the mixed metaphor of it being a battle, which it is. So I was really happy to work with the people at ITV and Discovery Plus who put all of that together and made that possible. Did you think that you kind of needed to do this, Carol, because we talked about in the last show, the portrayal of Netflix, and I've had different people on this podcast that were involved in various things on Netflix, and they've been portrayed in a bad light as well. Did you feel that you needed to do this for your own public image as well? Well, it certainly couldn't hurt, but it's something that we have wanted to do forever because we really felt like if people saw how dangerous it is to deal with these animal abusers who have been threatening my life for decades. I mean, people know about it from Tiger King from last year, yeah. but this has been my life for 20 years. And so if people saw what we are up against to protect these big cats and to save the planet, I figured that people would love to see that and come behind the scenes and be involved in our rescues and see how we gather evidence against the animal abusers and what we do to bring that to the authorities to try and put an end to their abuse. And it turns out that people really did receive Carol Baskin's cage fight well. I don't know if they received it well enough to create more episodes of it. I'm hoping that that will be the case but it's on a paid streaming platform and it's kind of a new streaming platform. So I don't know if it has the volume yet to make that happen. I'm really hoping that people will take a chance and sign up for Discovery Plus, check it out and say, yeah, we want more of that. Okay, so this hasn't aired actually on TV in America yet, has it? It's only on the streaming channel, Discovery Plus. Wow. Well, hopefully, yeah. is there any inclination that they might put it onto TV? Because 
ultimately it doesn't matter i think how much you stream and there's all these different streaming platforms but i still think television is the way to go well obviously netflix is huge as well and we both know that but i think they've kind of got the monopoly of the market and i see discovery disney plus and amazon they're kind of a little bit behind i think in popularity but they're they'll get there eventually i think because it's the future i believe you know, when we did it, I was really excited because Discovery Plus also is part of the Animal Planet channel. And yeah. so many people have Animal Planet. And so my hope was that they would run it on Discovery Plus, get people to sign up for the new streaming channel, and then put it over on Animal Planet. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. They're using it on Animal Planet. When you go to Animal Planet, I noticed I was in D.C. lobbying the other day. And so I'm laying in bed, you know, just trying to relax at the end of the day. And I was watching Animal Planet and there was an ad on there trying to send people to the streaming channel. So um, at least they're getting some kind of exposure there in trying to drive people to the streaming program or streaming platform from Animal Planet. I just yeah. really would love to have it out on Animal Planet where more people can see it. Yeah. One thing I took away from it is like how involved Howard is with you in this, like how much of a help is it to have him so behind everything that you do? Howard and Jamie both. It's such a, a mm -hmm. huge help to me because Howie takes care of all of the finances of the property. He takes care of the litigation when we have to sue these people, like we had to sue Joe to not use our name. Um, he deals with all of the lawsuits of people suing me because they don't like me coming after them. Um, he deals with all of that sort of thing. And I would be horrible at that. And then my daughter takes care of actually running the sanctuary day today and making sure that our people are well-trained and that the vet care is happening and that the animals are getting the care that they need. And so that frees me up to do the work that I'm best suited for, which is going after the bad guys and, um, also, I'm always looking for ways to get the message out there that we're going to lose the tiger in the next five years if we don't stop this cub petting now. And so doing that through NFTs and cryptocurrencies and augmented reality and all of these other things that I'm involved in, it gives me the freedom to pursue those methods of reaching more people. Yeah. Uh, so Howard is in charge of the, the boring paperwork. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so glad he has the mind for that because my brain would just explode if I had to deal with that. Yeah. So you don't think that it's going to, well, it hasn't pursued into maybe it talks for season two or any other episodes at the moment. It just is what it is. Yeah, not yet. We have I, an awful lot of other things for the other episodes and we've been stockpiling footage that we've gathered, evidence that we're gathering people that are whistleblowers at these facilities. So there's all kinds of stuff that can be made into new episodes that we are keeping track of, but I don't know yet whether or not that's going to happen. Do you think a lot has changed in America since Tiger King came out and kind of exposed people keeping these big cats in unsafe conditions? Do you think a lot has changed in the last couple of years or because it's been highlighted more or what do you think? Yeah, I think it has had that silver lining that people at least know that it exists now. Before, when I would tell people that there were all of these horrible places that were speed breeding cubs and ripping them away from their moms and using them as photo ops and then, or photo props and then dumping them when they got to be three or four months old, nobody believed that that was really happening. And after seeing Tiger King, they realized, oh my gosh, it is really happening. So that has been helpful. 
Um, I think COVID has been probably the biggest help in all of this because most of these abusive activities require the public coming in and getting their hands all over cubs or the public coming in to watch a magic show with big cats or the public coming to a fair to see some nasty little backyard circus kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And because of COVID, people haven't been participating in those things, which has been causing the people who were exploiting cats to say, you know, there's no money in this anymore. And they're giving up their cats and getting out of the business. So that's been the biggest help. Yeah. Do you find that people are just selling them or are they killing them or what way do you think it's, it's going on? Like when people are getting rid of their animals? For the most part, animal abusers will turn to other animal abusers when they want to get rid of their animals because they don't want the notion that somebody like Big Cat Rescue or a legitimate facility rescued their animals from them. And so they'll turn them over to some other god-awful place. And then that place goes under and they'll turn it over to some other god-awful place until finally, at some point, somebody will end up in trouble with the law because they have treated the animals so badly, like with Jeff Lowe, and the government comes in and actually seizes the animals and puts them into legitimate sanctuaries once and for all. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier NFTs, cryptocurrency. I know nothing about it, but I see you putting this kind of stuff across social media, Twitter spaces, things like that. Can you explain to me what it is and what you're doing to help Big Cat Rescue through these things, through these mediums? I believe that cryptocurrencies and NFTs are the future and that Web3 is going to be something like everybody is used to using the Internet. Now, Web3 yeah. is going to be a thing where we are carrying our identity forward into all of these things. And so in order to harness that energy, I have been involved in trying to create NFTs and sell them to show, look, this actually generates money to take care of the cats. So people say, why would I pay $300 for a JPEG? Uh, what am I gonna do with that JPEG? And if, I don't know, when you were a kid, were designer clothes a big deal at schools? Or oh, yeah. Yeah. designer shoes, especially with the guys, I think. Yeah. And so that's how kids set themselves apart. At, at Christmas, they wanted those Air Jordan shoes. And other kids, when they saw it, were like so jealous because that kid had the Air Jordans that they really wanted. And what there's what I'm seeing is the kids of today, especially in this remote world that we live in, they're looking for ways to set themselves apart and they're doing it with NFTs. And so by by buying this JPEG, it kind of buys their ticket into a community of like-minded people who care about whatever that NFT is about. So a really great example that just happened this past week, there's a group called Typical Tigers NFT, and they made um, 3,900 different variations of these little cartoon tigers. And each one was, I think, I'm thinking it was around $1,200 for the picture. And then it's like $300 to mint it, the Ethereum gas fee. So you've got about $1,500 in this NFT. But as part of an NFT holder like that, you can use it as your profile picture on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. And everybody who sees it's like, oh, you're part of the uh, typical Tigers group. Yeah, that's really cool because they're actually saving Tigers because they are the first NFT um, collaboration to ever rescue tigers, real live tigers, and send them to a sanctuary in 
December, actually Christmas Eve, I got an email from Edwin Wieck and he runs um, Wildlife Friends Foundation in Thailand. And the Phuket Zoo had 11 tigers and two sun bears. And for two years of being closed due to COVID, they were like, we can't feed these animals anymore. They had gotten rid of everything except for the tigers and bears because yeah. they're the most expensive to take care of. And so they reached out to us and said, we want to rescue these animals, but we don't have the money. Can you help? So Big Cat Rescue sent them $10,000 right away. But then I turned to the people at Typical Tigers and I said, look, Typical Tigers, this is your whole thing. You've got 3,900 of these to let people know that there are 3,900 tigers left in the wild. This is an opportunity for your community to say, we rescued those 11 tigers and sent them to a legitimate sanctuary. And then you could actually do more in the future by having people participate with these NFTs to fund the lifetime care of these cats. And Edwin said they can pick out a cat, they can name the cat that can be their community cat, and they take care of that cat forever. So I want sanctuaries and nonprofits that are working in the animal world to see this is real money that can really fund the work that you're doing. We've had NFTs and uh, crypto coin donors donate to us, I think 25,000 from a group called Naughty Tigers. And then there was 15,000 that came in from a Tiger Queen coin. There was another 5,000 that came in from uh, Schrodinger NFTs. And this typical Tigers sent us 10,000, but we sent that 10,000 directly back out to um, Wildlife. I can never remember. It's WFFT, Wildlife Friends Foundation, Thailand. So we were just the pass-through because they didn't have a way to accept crypto. So we converted it to cash, $10,000 in cash, and sent them that cash. So, so far, they've got 20000 10 from us, 10 from Technical Tigers, and we'll be sending another 10 as soon as the first half of those cats arrive at the sanctuary. Wow, that's that's something I really kind of need to look into, I think. I think I'm, I'm behind. It's, like, it's kind of like there's so much stuff on the internet that I know if I dive into another thing, I'm just going to get sucked in. And I think that's what's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> I feel like a ferret sometimes. You know, I go down these holes and I'm just like, where was surface again? Yeah. Because I got oh, so far in here. Did you know anything about NFTs and crypto, would say, like two years ago? Actually, yes. Back in 2014, okay. we um, were the first sanctuary to accept BitPay, which was uh, Bit or accept Bitcoin through BitPay. Yes. And we've been doing that since 2014. But then in 2018, I purchased the first Crypto Kitties. And then I lost my seed phrase. And I lost it until April of 2021 when I finally found it. And then I got back into crypto because I was just so frustrated not being able to find my wallet. And then once I found the wallet, which is, a, it's like 12 different words that you have to know. And I had lost that. So once I found it and got back in, it was like, okay, I'm not missing this train again because this yeah. is amazing. And the money I put in in 2018 was worth a whole lot more by 2021. Yeah. So make sure and just, if I get into this, do not lose my password. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, have you any plans for, we talked about this last time, remember you were doing kind of Dancing with the Stars and have you any plans to do anything else in the medium world of television or is there anything that you want to do? There's nothing that I want to do. I've been approached by a number of different things and because of the fact that they are still in the process of like who they're going to pick for their their shows, I don't think I could talk about those yet, yep. um, even though I turned them down. But mm -hmm. um, 
there's a few things that are coming up that I'm involved in. And again, I can't talk about those until they actually come out. We so can, we'll we can do it. Yeah, we could do another show in six months' time and talk about that. There you go. Yeah. And I'm working on one thing right now where it's the first time it's ever been done in this in this industry, and it's a huge industry, and it has to do with protecting big cats. But it's an industry you would never have associated with it, and I'm so excited to have Big Cat Rescue be the first one ever to do this. And when that comes out, I can't wait to talk about it because it is amazing. What kind of timeline are we looking at here for new projects? Uh, that one I expect probably within the next three months. And then there is a show that I expect to be coming to the U.S. that I was already filmed in that should be within the next month. Um, I don't know when Kate McKinnon's thing's going to be, and I don't know whether, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be good or bad because I didn't have any input into that. And then, That's never good anyway, <laughs> as we found out before. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then another show that I'm working on that should be out by August, I think, August or September. Mm -hmm. All a mystery. But look, the last time we talked, this Tiger King 2 thing was coming out and you you, you kind of told me what was going to happen. And you said, then they're, they're going to say this about my husband and then they're going to say this. And you, you, you called it as it was. Uh, did you watch it? I did. Yeah. Just to just to know what was there, basically. Well, I knew that as well. In fact, before it even ran, you know, when they started yeah. doing the teasers, people, the press started calling me and saying, what do you think about this? And it's like, well, I can't tell you what I think about it because I haven't seen it. So I know five minutes after it airs, they're all going to be so now what do you think about it? So I'm going to have to see it, which I did. And I, I think like most people, um, it was a real letdown. I mean, sequels are always bad, but this was, it seemed to me, like, particularly poorly done. Yeah. I i know yourself and Joe don't get along, but if you were to look at season one, you would say that yourself and himself, while different and don't get along, were the two biggest characters to come from the show. And then when you're looking at season two, you're not involved. He's in prison. So it's it's never going to be as good, I don't think. <laughs> I think the the good thing that did come two two good things came out of it. One was it showed that Joe's not the only person on our radar. I mean, we've been going after yes. all these bad guys, and so it showed um, a lot more in depth into some of these other characters that I think are just as dangerous and just as wretched toward animals. And then the the one thing that was a total shock to me was the attorney that they kept saying was our family attorney. It wasn't our family yeah. attorney. Mm -hmm. He was the attorney for the secretary and the queen. And so he shows up in season two and says that he has a friend inside of Homeland Security that managed to get for him a document that said that Don was alive and well in Costa Rica. Well, Homeland Security didn't even exist until five years after Don disappeared. So that document had to have been after 2002, which means for five years after I last saw Don, he was alive and well in Costa Rica. Do you believe that that document is, is real? Well, I have petitioned the FBI and asked them for a copy that didn't have the redactions in it. If you saw it in Tiger King 2, they blanked out the name of the special agent. Mm -hmm. And the person who was holding the paper had their thumb over the date, which would be a really important thing to me. So, like, I know Homeland Security wasn't around until 2002. Don disappeared in 97. So it had to have been at least five years. But 
was this report from last week that he was alive and well, or was this report from 2002 or anywhere in between? That's what I wanted to know. So I contacted the FBI and they would not send me a copy of it because they said it was an ongoing investigation, which tells me that the document is, is authentic. And the sheriff's office had said, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting, that they said that they had to overcome the Homeland Security statement about Don. And it's like, well, why do you need to overcome that? If if Homeland Security says he's alive and well, why do you want to prove differently than that? When What kind of intel would they have that Homeland Security doesn't have? So apparently um, it's still an ongoing case and they won't give me an unredacted copy of it. So I went by last week to Joseph Fritz, the attorney. I drove by his office, walked up, knocked on the door, they said he wasn't there, but I told him what I wanted and he's not returned my call. I heard that he was um, my visit. I've heard that he has been on a podcast since then talking about the fact that I came to his office. So he knows that I was there. He knows that I want a copy of it, but he so far has not provided me a copy. Yeah, there's something kind of very fishy about that really, isn't there? The document. Why is it fishy? Because there's dates missing. You don't know if it's real. They're trying to retract it. What? What? It, is it real or is it there? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we come to the bottom of it soon. And another thing I wanted to talk to you about was, like, as we touched on, you're big online at the moment. How do you deal with idiots online abusing you or sending you horrible messages and stuff like that? Have you got any advice for people that experience things like that? Because it's a big thing on social media these days. Yeah, people are really brave when they have uh, a screen between them and the person that they're that they're being critical of. And I haven't experienced anybody in person being mean. It's only been the people who have been either on a burner phone, sometimes on their own phone, because the phone number will come up, and of course online on social media and such. I was listening to a podcast by Brooke Castillo a couple days ago, and I thought it was interesting. She was talking about haters in general, these online haters, yep. and how the hate that they that they spew, regardless of who it is, if it was against me or against you or against her, it doesn't hurt the party that they're spewing it against. The only people that are really suffering from that are the people who are dwelling on that and who are getting so upset and who are saying all of these horrible things and trying to get other people to join in their hatefulness. And I don't know how that's ever good for humanity in any way to be like that. I think, you know, people might say that of me because I've called out these people for abusing animals, but I'm not going after them personally. I'm not saying anything about who they are as people. Yeah. I'm just saying these are the activities that are abusive and we need to stop it. They need to change their ways. And, so I think there's a difference there. Maybe some people would argue that there's not and that I should just keep those thoughts to myself. But I feel like as long as we as long as we ignore the abuse, it's just going to continue. Whereas somebody um, screaming obscenities about me on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram in all capital letters and exclamation marks, it's like, how does that hurt me in any way that yeah. it doesn't affect me at all? Yeah. I, I give you an example. I had, I've had John Rinky now on the podcast twice who he used to work with uh, Joe and um, somebody followed the podcast then because oh, John used to work with Joe and 
followed the podcast page on Instagram and then I stuck up a picture of you yesterday saying Carl's back on the show next week and they just put a load of angry faces underneath it. <laughs> it's like they're still kind of, it wasn't abusive, but I just thought it was funny. But like, I have no problem with having you on or having John on and everyone's kind of got their own opinions and I respect everyone's opinions when I have them on the show. You know, people mightn't agree with everything, but that's just the way it is. And can you imagine... I mean, what would it take for you? How angry would you have to be in your own heart to see a picture or, you know, something like that and to go on that site and type all of that and put all those mean emojis? It's like your whole personhood is just like got to be like boiling for you to do something like that. And it's not affecting the person that they're trying to affect in any negative way. And yet if they used all of that energy to do something good, it's like, Instead of worrying about who you hate, let's figure out who you like. Let's figure out what you're really all about and put the energy behind that. Even if you're wrong for crying out loud, at least you feel better about it. Uh, some people hate you because of the way Netflix portrayed you. And if people want to go by Netflix portrayals, well, that's, that's fine then. But what what is your goals for 2022 with Big Cat Rescue? Like if you were to tell me this is what I want done by the end of the year, what would it be? My biggest thing right now is our live cameras. We have live cameras all over the property, and I really feel like that's the future. And that's part of why I'm in the NFTs and the crypto space, because I think if we can have these Internet streaming cameras in the wild where these cats live and attach those to smart contracts on the blockchain so that when you are watching that feed come in from a live tiger that's in the Brampton Boar Forest down by the watering hole. As you're watching that, the payment that you're making would actually go into the crypto wallets of the people who actually live there on the edges of the forest next to those cats. That way they have a vested interest in protecting those cats and um, saving habitat. And so until we make it, until we monetize wildlife in the wild where they belong, we can't save them. And so I think that's how we're going to be able to do it is through these live cameras. So if we're gonna say that this is the future, we need to show that the future works. And we have cameras and have had them for years all over the property, but they are a maintenance freaking nightmare. <laughs> keeping those cameras running and yeah. keeping the internet running. And then somebody cuts through the fiber optic cord when they're planting a rose bush. <laughs> it's just like, ah! <laughs> so that's my plan is to try and get more of our cameras online and working this year so that yeah. more people can experience it so that we can show people in, around the world. This is how we save the cats. Yeah. Carl, absolute pleasure again today. And hopefully we'll talk to you near, maybe near the end of the year when these secret projects are out. Thank you. Always Thanks a pleasure. Very much. Thank you.